name is Noel Miller, and I'm the director of Student Life, which is our student ministries here at Life Church. Uh, my husband and I have a great time hanging out with students and really learning how to make God famous uh, in our lives and in the lives of our friends and in our families. And so we have a great time. So if you are between the ages of 7th grade and 12th grade and have not experienced a student life service, we would love to have you come. I can promise you two things. One, it's going to be a lot of fun. And two, that God is going to do something spectacular in your life. So we want you to come be a part of what God is doing in the hearts and lives of students all over the Milwaukee area. Um, I want to start off to, uh, today by thanking the parents of our students. Uh, thank you so much for allowing myself and Kevin the opportunity to partner with your kid in their walk with Christ. Um, partnering with your student to really see God do some amazing things in their life. Thank you for allowing the fun memories that we have at Student Life at Spencer Lake uh, Youth Camp, which is crazy, all night fun, and there's God mixed in there too, but it's a lot of fun, and as well as the God experiences. Uh, the, the times from the trips to Oaxaca, Mexico, to our services, to Minneapolis, and then this week we were just in Chicago for an entire week where students got to safely I might add, um, tear down an entire floor of a building, which is going on to be what they call the blessing house, where people are able to come right off the streets and, and receive the things that they need that, that for life, just for the function of life. And so they got to be a part of that as well as in the afternoon. Uh, they got to put on children's ministry on the streets of the south side of Chicago, which was awesome with um, skits and dramas and, and telling their testimonies and, and things like that. And through the course of that ministry, we saw 27 kids give their life to Christ in one week, which is phenomenal. It's phenomenal. And so thank you as parents for letting us be a part of those amazing God experiences in their lives. You know, we're also thankful for the students as well. They have taught us so much on a daily basis. They're continually teaching us things. And, and one thing that Kevin and I were talking about recently that we learned from the students um, was their attitude in which they handle problems. Um, many of them come from broken homes. Uh, they come from, from depression or, or they suffer with self-image or, or temptations that they may face. But the attitude in which they take on those problems is amazing and something that we learn from on a daily basis. You know, they don't look at these problems that they face with the attitude of survival. They're, they don't say, you know, if I could just get through high school with my character intact, then I'm going to be okay. They don't look at, at the things that are happening in their home life. If I can just get through this, then I'm going to be okay. Or, or if I can just get through this awkward stage of middle school, then I'm going to be okay. You know, they look at these 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 situations and the problems in their life with the attitude of a conqueror, with the heart of a conqueror. They believe that not only is God going to get them through high school, but he's going to use high school to change the world. Not only is he, is he going to get them through their home life, but he's going to use their home life for the glory of God. They look at their situations and they say, you know what, I'm not only going to get through it, but I'm going to get past it. And I don't know about you guys, but I believe that many of us, we have problems. We have issues that we face. We have struggles that we face from broken marriages to finances to the work and stress of, of just life in general. Um, and many of us have those problems that we face, yet 
I believe that if we look at them and through the eyes of this generation, the way this generation does, then we can be conquerors for Christ. Then, then we can say with our hearts and with our attitudes that my God is bigger than, that my God is stronger than, this mar- than any broken problems in our marriage or any, any problems through our finances or, or any struggles that we may face at work. I believe that if we look at it the way this generation does, then, then God can do mighty things in and through our lives. And, you know, I was reading in the Bible, and there's a, there's a character in the Bible that reminds me of this kind of attitude, of this confidence or swagger, if you will, um, uh, of attitude towards faith. And his name is Joshua. And, and many of us know the story of Joshua um, from the part where he led the people out of Israel and into the promised land and, and this valiant warrior that, that really did a lot for God. But in Joshua's life, he also had struggles that he had to face, and he had to decide in his heart, was he going to survive it, or was he going to conquer? And I believe that, 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 that we can see through the life of Joshua that we can, and God intends for us to conquer it. You know, one of the first times we see uh, Joshua is in the book of Numbers. So if you have your Bibles and you wouldn't mind turning to the book of Numbers, if you don't have it, it's going to be on the screen for us. It's Numbers chapter 14, and let me kind of set up the story for you. Basically, what has happened is Moses, who was the leader of the people of Israel, he's led them out of Egypt, he's led them out of bondage, and he's brought them up to this this point, this climax, um, to say, okay, we're moving out of the wilderness and into the promised land. But before they could do that, he wanted to send a group of people to kind of check out what was going on on the other side of the river. He wanted to make sure that the land really was that good and that that the promise that God had was really that amazing. And so he got a group of people together, and Joshua and his friend Caleb were a part of this group. And, And so he gets these people together. He sends them out over to Israel or over to the promised land. He said, I want you guys... I want you guys to check it out. Tell me what it is and then come back and report to us. And so Joshua and Caleb and a group of other people went out. They surveyed the land. They came back and they were straight up scared. Okay, just to be real, they were straight up scared. Okay, they come back. They're like, you don't understand. They're they're huge. They're they're these huge, big people and we can't do it. Uh, we We can't face it. Yes, the land is awesome. It's amazing. But we're scared and we can't do it. And in the midst of this, we find Caleb and Joshua, and this is what they say in verses 6 through 8. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jah, everybody say Jah, okay, Uh, who who (laughs) who were among those that had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will give, he will lead us into the land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. You see, the first thing that that Joshua and his friend Caleb did is they believed. They believed that that God that they serve was bigger than any giant or big or, or strong people that were in that land. They believed that God had promised them that. And that they were going to see it come to pass. You know, I believe that as a people or a generation that's going to walk in faith, the first thing we have to do is believe. Um, in, 
in our lives, when we're willing to look at our situations and believe, I think that God can do amazing things. Uh, growing up, I've never had the best eyesight. I've, I've just never, wasn't blessed with, I ate as many carrots as I possibly could until I didn't like them anymore, and it just wasn't in the cards for me. And so through high school, I did really good about wearing contacts and glasses and that whole deal, because when I was in high school, it was starting to get a little trendy to wear glasses. And so I was like, well, okay, I'll try it. And so I was doing this whole deal, contacts, glasses, and then I got to college, and I was like, well, my mom's not here to make me put my contacts in, so I'm like, Psh, bump that, right? Because they were kind of like itchy, and I just it didn't work for me. And so all throughout college, and in a little bit, if you know me a few months ago, you would have known this, but um, all throughout college and in the, the months after that, I just I didn't wear contacts. And if I was wearing dark colors, and I wear my dark uh, frame glasses, and that worked, and okay, but... If I wasn't, if I was wearing brown, all the ladies can testify to what I'm talking about right now. You know you can, right? So if I wasn't wearing brown or if I was wearing brown, I was like, oh, I can't do the glasses. And so I'd walk around like this the entire time. And I'm just going around like, oh, I think that's, oh, I think that's Kevin. Yeah, hey. And it wasn't, right? Many, many embarrassing stories happened because of my lack of contact or glasses wearing. And so anyways, I'm going through life and, and I get married and Kevin kind of sees this. He's like, girlfriend, we got to get you some contacts. Like, if you're not going to wear your glasses, then we straight up need to get you some contacts. So I was like, okay. I finally caved in. I was getting a little afraid that I was, you know, my face is going to start wrinkling or something. And so I was like, okay, I'll do it. I'll get them. And so we go. We get the contacts. I pick them up. I put them in. And I'm just, like, in awe. Like, I didn't know that the world was this clear. I didn't know that you could be in the back of Target and read the restroom sign. Like, I was just guessing. I was like, okay, um, I hope this works out, uh, you know. And so we go to Target after I get my contacts, and I'm like, there's the restroom sign. They have one. And Kevin's like, yeah, they do. Are you serious? And I'm like, yes. I'm like, I could see the departments, like the girls' clothes, like with the signs. I didn't have to, like, look and be like, oh, this is girls' clothes. Okay, I'm in the right place. Like, I, I could see the signs, and it was like all of a sudden, I had this clarity, like I could, I could see, I could understand, and I believe that in our lives and the problems that we face, if we look through the lens of belief and the lens of faith, that God can do something extraordinary. Just like I had clarity in my eyes, we can have clarity and understanding of the problems that we face when we look through the lens of belief. You know, in student life, a big deal for us is um, never come alone. Uh, come bring a friend, bring a neighbor, bring the random kid at the end of the street. I don't care, just bring a friend, right? Because we're excited about what God's doing. And, and so they were starting to bring friends. It was like working. I was like, oh, wow, this worked, you know? And so all of a sudden, you know, every week we have some, a new student come and visit with us and, and all that. And I began to ask God, like, okay, you know, this is awesome, it's working, you know, all these things. And God began to speak to me, and he said, you know what, Noel, the reason why they're bringing friends is because they believe that when I come in contact with their friends' issues, that their lives are going to change. They believe that when they see their friends in the hallway or in their neighborhoods or whatever it may be, and they have problems or they're depressed or they're, they're, their home is broken, they believe that the moment that God comes in contact with that, that their lives are going to be changed. And so they're bringers. They bring friends all the time because they have the faith to believe. They believe that God is going to do something awesome. You know, not only do we have to believe, but we have to ask. 
I know it, it sounds it sounds simple, but it's true. We have to ask. Um, it's the the idea to go boldly before the throne of God and ask Him for what it is that that you need. The Bible says this in Second Chronicles one seven. God appears to Solomon and says, "What do you want from me? Ask." Just straight up, what is it that you want from me? Ask. It says in Luke eleven nine, which is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, ask and it will be given to you. It didn't say wait until you're a mature Christ follower and have it all together and then come and ask me and I'll give it to you. It didn't say ask and if you've done everything right and the conditions are right, I'll give it to you. It just simply says ask and I'll give it to you. Uh, you know, there's a, it reminds me of a story of one of my heroes, idols, if I could be just like him, I would. Um, her name is Heidi Baker, and she's a missionary to Mozambique, and, and they have orphanages and schools and feeding programs and, and all of those things in Mozambique. And I was recently watching an interview that she did, and she was telling about Christmas in Mozambique, and she, was, she began to describe uh, the attitude of the children and the things that they had, and, and some people from the United States, Canada area, had donated gifts for the girls, for the girl orphanage, for Christmas. And so they, they bring out the bags of gifts, and they line all the kids up, and, and they hold the bags open for the kids. And Heidi Baker goes over, she looks in, and they're dolls. And that was awesome and cool, but in Mozambique, the children don't really play with dolls. It's not something they'd get a doll and be like, oh, that's cool, uh, you know, like, awesome. They wouldn't really know what to do. They wouldn't, it wouldn't bring them joy. And so Heidi Baker looks at it, and she sees, and she's like, okay. Um, so she closes the bags, hands them to the volunteers, and, and she says to the children, what would you like Jesus to give you for Christmas? What would you like? If Jesus could give you anything, what would you like? And all the little girls began to say beads because they'd make jewelry and, and things like that. And so they all wanted beads for Christmas. So Heidi, I was watching an interview, and it was just amazing to hear her tell this story. But at that point, she turns around, and she asks God, she said, God, I just pray that you provide beads. In your name I pray, amen. And turns back around and tells the volunteers, open the bags and let the children come and get the beads that they want from God, that they want from Jesus. So here come all these kids. If I'm her volunteer, I'm like, hold up, swallow up. There's dolls in here. Like, we got we to gotta think about this, like, time out, there's dolls. And, but it didn't happen, right? So all the children begin to come, and they reach down into the bag, and they begin to pull out beads. There were enough beads that day to go around for all the girls to make necklaces and jewelry and bracelets for them to have. As simple as giving beads to children in Africa I believe that God wants to do the same thing in our lives when we ask. You know, growing up as a kid, and maybe even still to this day, sometimes I don't like to admit it, but I'm a little stubborn, and I am super competitive. Um, I really, really don't like to lose. Um, it, I don't know. I, I, I've asked God to take it away from me, but he just won't. Um, I'm super competitive and extremely stubborn. I don't like asking for help. Uh, I don't know if any ladies in here can testify, but I really don't like asking for help. I've been that way since I was a kid. And so I remember growing up, my, my grandparents lived in Miami. Um, praise the Lord. All grandparents should live in Miami. But um, we went there for the summer, and, and we'd be there. And my mom was out by the pool, and she was reading a book. And I decided that that was going to be the day that I learned how to do a back dive. 
that was going to be the day that I figured it all out. So I go, I get on the edge of the pool on the diving board, and I take a couple jumps back into the water. And I was like, okay, I got this. I think I figured it out, you know. And so then I, I try to do a back dive, and I just freeze in the air, and I just phew, right into the water, like the like nastiest backflop ever, like, and it hurt really bad. And so I'm like, oh, it's okay. I got this. I can figure it out. So I get up again. I try it again. I fall, and I just do the same exact thing, and it hurts just as bad. And I get, and I'm doing this over and over. And just like any good mom, I believe that you guys have eyeballs all over your head, in the back, in the front, in the side. I mean, everywhere you guys have got eyeballs. And so my mom's reading the book, looking down at the book, and says, Noel, do you need some help? And I was like, no. I do not need help. I've got this all figured out. I'm just practicing. And mom's like, okay. And so she goes back, reads the book, and I continue. And I'm like, I'm hurting at this point. My back is like fire. Um, You know, like it it is just not working for me. And so finally my mom gets up. She comes over, and she's like, Noel, are you sure? I can't help you. And I was like, well, okay, maybe just a little bit. Maybe just teach me how one time and that's it and I'm done, you know. And so she comes over. She teaches me how to do it. She helps me and I do it and I, and I learn how to do the back dive. But through all that, I often wonder how many times in our lives are we splashing into a pool when God is sitting there saying, just ask me for help. Just ask and I'll be there. I'll help you do it. But instead we insist on smacking the water and our backs are red and we're tired when the whole time all we have to do is pause and ask God. You know, in this, in this conquering attitude, in this conquering faith that we must have, we first have to believe, we second, we have to ask, and finally, we have to take action. We have to take authority and walk in the faith that God has for us. You know, um, I believe that, that as, as people, faith will rise in our heart when we decide to step out, when we decide to take action, I believe that that's when faith truly arises in our heart. You know, this is where we pick back up the story with Joshua. Uh, at this point, uh, we, we pick him up in Joshua chapter 3. Um, at this point in his story, Moses, back in Numbers, had taken the Israelites to that certain level. And the people came back, they were murmuring, they didn't want to do it, they wanted to die and all this crazy stuff. And so Moses is like, fine, we're not going. And so Jesus, our God, makes them walk around the wilderness until that generation dies. And so Moses dies, and now the Israelites need, they need somebody to lead them. And, and so God looks at Joshua and says, you're going to be the one that's going to do it. You're the one that's going to lead the people from the wilderness to the promised land. And so Joshua says, awesome, okay, gets them to that point again, but, but now the Jordan River's in the way. Now this mighty rushing river, the Bible says that the banks were overflowing because it was that season. The banks were overflowing. It was this mighty rushing river. And Joshua says, now what? Now what do we do? And so God looks to Joshua and he says, I want you to take the Ark of the Covenant, which would basically symbolize the presence of God. And I want you to take the priest and I want you to walk out into the river and I will, I will cause the river to spread, and, and you guys will walk through on dry ground. And I can just imagine the fear and, and the insecurity that would rise up in Joshua and say, you want me to do what? You want me to tell these people to do what? To carry your ark of coming in the middle of a river, and, and then we're going to cross over on dry ground. 
And so he begins to tell the priest this, and they get everything together, and they, they get ready to go. And I can just imagine the fear that would come up in their, in their hearts. You see, a generation had already passed away where God had split some water for them before. And they had heard of it happening. They have heard of how God had did these amazing things, but they had yet to see it for themselves. They had yet to see God do something spectacular right before their eyes. And I can just imagine the fear and the doubt because they're human. The fear and the doubt that would rise in their heart to say, can I do this? Will I be swept away by the water? Will I, will I die in the process of this? But instead, this is where we pick up the scripture. In Joshua 3.17, it says this. And there they stood, those priests, carrying the chest of the covenant, which would be the Ark of the Covenant, stood firmly planted on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel crossed on dry ground. Finally, the whole nation was across the Jordan and not one foot wet. I can only imagine what it must have been like for that priest to take that first step into the water and have the water taking that step off the bank and into the river and having that water rush across his feet saying, can I make it? Can I do this? And closing his eyes, he takes another step forward and the waters begin to part and the waters begin to dissipate and they begin to push back and all of a sudden he opens his eyes and he's in the middle of the Jordan River watching all of Israel cross by on dry ground. I can only imagine what it must be like to take that step of faith into a broken marriage and say, I'm going to speak faith into this. Feeling the waters rush over your feet, I can only imagine what it must be like to speak life into a broken marriage and see God restored, to stand in the middle of the Jordan River and watch your family be restored. I can only imagine what it's like to see that child that's far away from God, you taking that step forward into that water, feeling the pressure, feeling the water rising, and knowing that just a few more steps you're going to be on dry ground. Knowing that with God, when you take that action, that God is going to step in and God is going to move in that situation. I can only imagine, but I know that it takes steps. It takes action. It takes a boldness and a courage and a swagger to rise up inside of you and say, I can do this. I believe with all my heart and I've asked of God and he has promised and so you take that step of faith. When we were in college, we took a mission trip to the Amazon River, which was crazy. We lived out of a book bag for like six days, and it was just straight up nasty, okay? Um, but we did, and we went. And what would happen is we'd jump on this boat, and we'd go from, from space to space, from village to village to village, and we'd hop out. We'd do a gospel presentation. We'd hand them a book, and it would be about Jesus and their language, and, and then we'd move on to the next village. Well, the entire time that we are, are doing this, our guide, the person that's helping us through the river and through the villages and whatnot, um, is really moved by what we're doing. He was already a Christ follower, but he was really excited. And he believed that on that trip, God spoke to him that we were going to be the team or the people that would come and, and see his village come to know Christ. And so through this trip, we get closer and closer to his village. And finally, he's like, would you guys mind coming and presenting this to my family and to my village? I really believe that God's going to do something awesome. God's promised me. And so we said, absolutely, let's go. And so we 
get on our boat bags. We tramped through the jungles. We hike, and it was crazy. I thought I was in, like, Indiana Jones or something. And so we're going, and we get to his village, and there's about four tents, and they're like, or, or huts or whatever you would call them. And we get there, and as is customary in that area, they wanted to invite us in and serve us a meal. Um, the man knew that when we stepped off that boat heading to his village, that he was going to have to prepare a meal because it was only customary for their village. Now, for me, I was like, we don't have to eat anything. Oh, my goodness. No, please. I'm, I'm good. You know, but they're like, no, if you didn't, it was rude, the whole deal. So we had to. So we get to his house, and I see him talking to the translator, and, and the translator t- later tells us that he had no food. Uh, there was no food in his house to feed us. And so we go into this home. His wife uh, begins boiling water on this, like, little, I don't know, thing that you would see somewhere weird, um, right? So she's boiling water, okay, like on National Geographic or something. It's boiling. And so we're like, okay, and we're just sitting, and we're having a good time. We're kind of talking and, and kind of relaxing. And, and all of a sudden, the man, our guide, walks into his hut, and he's carrying a chicken, and I see him turn the corner and tears just begin to stream down his face. And later we find that he had no food in his house and he had just caught that chicken. And he prepared it and he fed it to us because he knew that as it was customary in his village to feed the people, that he was able to do that. He took that step of faith by inviting us to his village, inviting us into his home, only to know that he didn't have any food, but he knew what God had promised In that moment, he saw the promise of God fulfilled. Later on, we went to present the gospel in that village, and people came to know Christ, and it was an amazing experience. But he saw the promises of God fulfilled by a simple act of faith. Hebrews says this in um, in Hebrews 11.32 says, I could go on and on, but I've run out of time. There's so many more. Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth, David, Samuel, the prophets. Through acts of faith, they toppled kingdoms, made justice work, and took the promises for themselves. They decided in their hearts through acts of faith that they were going to take the promises of God for themselves. And I can tell you that God has promised us that he will never leave us and he'll never forsake us. God has promised us that he has a plan for us to prosper. That God has promised us provision. He's promised us protection. These are the promises of God and they're there for us to take. They're there for us when we're in our darkest hour, when we believe and we ask and we act in faith that they are there for us to take. You know, I believe with all my heart that when we believe, ask, and act, that, that, that we can move from a life that is routine and mundane to a life that is vibrant and victorious. That we can live this adventurous life for Christ that he's called us to when we simply believe in who he is and what the Bible says that he did and does in our lives. And when we ask him, we go boldly before his throne and we say, God, your word says this, and I want to see you come through. And then we take that step of faith in our lives that God is going to do something amazing in every one of our lives. So today what I want to do is I just want to pray for you. And with every eye closed and every head bowed, I would just simply ask for the one, those of you in this room that would say, you know, I, I'm going through a really hard time right now. 
And I just want somebody to pray for me. I just want somebody to come alongside of me and and give me that extra bit of faith. I'm not going to call you forward or anything like that. I'm just simply going to say a prayer. And if that's you, if you'll just raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You just put it up and put it right back down. Thank you. I'm going to say a prayer, and I believe with all my heart that God is going to do something spectacular, amazing in your lives. We simply have to believe. So, dear Heavenly Father, God, you see the hands that, that went up tonight, God. You see the ones that, that need an extra touch from you today, God. They may be in a situation or a hard time in their life, God. So I just pray that right now, in the name of Jesus, that your presence would come and would touch their lives. That your presence would come and and fill their hearts full of faith, God. Your Bible says that, that when we doubt, God, that you help our unbelief. So God, I just pray right now for all of those that have a situation, God, that you would come in and do what only you can do in our hearts and in our lives. And it's in your mighty name I pray. Amen.